right, well, let's jump into the Psalms. I don't know how often you look at the Psalms. It, they are so important. I remember when I was in college, uh, I spent a summer in Brooklyn living in a church in Park Slope, and uh, it was a spooky old church. Um, and I was in the basement all by myself at, in the night and hear all these creaks and there's a spooky organ and your mind starts playing tricks with, did I hear notes, right? And, uh, and it's like, it was, it, I got scared and I would sing myself to sleep or I would recite the Psalms. Um, even in college, I would need to do that um, because there's an emotion called fear. And, and we combat certain emotions or we control certain emotions with the truth of the, the Lord. And, and one of the best ways to find that are in the Psalms. And so I do believe that some of our emotional struggles that we have in our society goes back to the need to know the Lord through the Psalms. And uh, so I'm going to just unload all of them here for you. We're going to answer several questions uh, and then this, what this will really help you do is give you a map. So please value this time as we look and, and understand what this whole book is about. Try to let it sink into your mind and your heart and, and keep it in front of you as you open the Psalms for yourself. I was really surprised at some of the things I discovered through looking at this book uh, all together at one, at one time. Okay, so we're going to look at the who, when, what, and why of the Psalms. This is actually... Kind of what we do is we do book studies. It's very helpful to begin with these very important questions. So first of all, the who of the Psalms. The who. Well, who wrote them? A lot of people wrote them. We don't know all of those who wrote them. Some of them are anonymous. We don't even know the author. In fact, if you look at the Psalms there, you, you have some of them that have no uh, person writing. But then you have Psalm 4, a Psalm of David, Psalm 3, a Psalm of David, in the Hebrew, we don't even, like, that's not even inspired. It was added later on, these little comments at the top of the Psalms. Um, and in Hebrew, it just says, to David, Lameth David. So we kind of understand that this is probably meaning David is the one who is responsible for, for it, for David, um, or of David. Uh, but, like, a lot of them have nothing. Uh, so... A lot of authors there. I, I have uh, five of them, actually eight. Uh, David, Sons of Korah, Music Director, Asaph, Solomon, He-Man, uh, and Ethan. Uh, so here's some of the ones that wrote. David wrote most, the majority of them, though. Uh, as far as finding out who wrote the biggest chunk, it would be David. Uh, 73, we believe about 73 of the 150 Psalms were written by David. And in fact, in the New Testament, you have uh, the New Testament authors saying that David wrote certain of the Psalms. But in another sense, who wrote the Psalms? God, yeah. Is it 2 Samuel 2.23, when David's, or 23.2, um, where he says, the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and His word was on my tongue. It's actually the Spirit of God who's giving the church these blessed songs uh, to memorize and to be a part of. The music director, uh, Sons of Korah. These Sons of Korah were the ones that served in the temple. And then their children and their grandchildren were set aside to work with music. 
Um, some of these were directed to the music director, and that would usually be related to David, uh, the music director as David's, under David's rule. Also, Asaph, he was the choir director under David's rule. And, and so a lot of this has to do with David. Uh, Solomon, of course, is David's son. To whom are these written? Well, they're written to all of us, but most of the addresses ascribed to, who are they speaking to? To God, right? And so to whom? Well, to the Lord, or we would say, better translated, Yahweh. Um, we, every time you read in your Bible, capital L-O-R-D, you would probably be better to say Yahweh. That is the Lord's name. Uh, out of respect over generations through tradition, we've, we say Lord instead of Yahweh. Uh, but that's probably a mistake. It's not a mistake to respect the name of the Lord. Uh, that's very important to respect his name. Um, because we would never want to take his name in vain. Right? That's a command. Uh, but he did reveal his name uh, to be used. And so uh, we, we do see Yahweh translated uh, L-O-R-D in a lot of our English Bibles nearly 700 times. In 150, 150 Psalms, nearly 700 times Yahweh. God, Elohim, uh, 365 times. Adonai, or Master, 54 times. So you see the bulk of this are expressions, songs sung to the Lord. So they're prayers. They're really prayers. They're voicing prayers to our Lord God. All right, when? Now, this is interesting. We have a psalm written by Moses, 1500 BC, and we have psalms written talking about the exile in Babylon, 500 BC. So, this, this book of songs spans a thousand years, though most of them, biggest chunk of them around David and Solomon's time, but they were written throughout those thousands of years and, and they were collected together. In fact, there's five books divided, uh, divisions of the Psalms in five books. And, and what would happen is they would just keep adding to the hymnal, adding to the hymnal. And churches do this to this day, right? You have a hymnal, wait, we want this song. And they put this in the back and they put this one in the back. They put that, oh, here's a supplement. Here's a supplement to the supplement. And eventually a church has five hymnals. And so we're like, well, let's just do a worship guide each week, and we can choose from all the hymnals. Uh, and so that's what we do here. Um, but this is, what the, this is what the Psalter was. It was a collection that continued to grow over the centuries and was treasured and cherished. All right. The who, the when, now the what. What are the Psalms? Okay. This is very important. Um, this is what we'll take a little bit more time with, just understanding what is this book in front of you. Well, the, the Psalms are really a Jewish songbook. You could summarize it as songs, Psalms are a Jewish songbook. And so first of all, it's poetry. It's poetry. What you have in front of you is from the genre of poetry. Okay, so you remember our, our bookshelf as we consider to think through uh, this look at one book. We often go back to this. The first five books of your Old Testament there the, the top shelf of the Old Testament are the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books, the law. Then you have this huge number of books. A lot of these are what we would call narrative, meaning they're telling stories. That would be, or just really history, the history, all the way from Joshua 
Judges, Ruth, all the way to Esther. But then also in the writings, or you may have heard Kethubim, the writings, you have these poetry books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Poetry are sometimes considered wisdom literature. Psalms would be the major poetry book in there. And so you look at it, and it's like you have to think through opening this up. We say genre, but you could say that the type of literature. Like if you go into Barnes & Noble, if we have any more of those left, uh, you actually see, okay, here, cookbooks. Okay, here's fiction. Here's biography, history. When I pick up a biography history book and I pick up a Calvin and Hobbes book, I treat those totally differently, right? I just have a different set of rules and expectations from the languages on, language on the page there. The same is true in your, your Bible. When you open this up, you have whole sections that are history, whole sections that are more prose or poetry. All right, and so that's what this is. This is a, is a poetry book. All right, so we could spend a lot of time dealing with the details of the poetry, and I'm not going to do that. But, but I just want to mention that it is poetry. Uh, some of the elements of poetry are lost in translation. Uh, and so some of the repetition of the same vowels like we would say something of rhyming, they didn't do as much of rhyming, but they do assonance and consonance, meaning a repetition of the ah, 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 or a repetition of the s, 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 as they go through uh, writing these psalms. Another, often they use acrostic, um, so that's also lost in translation, uh, but it would be the Hebrew alphabet as they go through different um, verses uh, to, the, to the songs. But what we do have in Hebrew poetry that's, that, that translates into the English is what? Somebody, somebody tell me. What is a prominent type or uh, facet of Hebrew poetry that translates into English? What's that? Worship, okay. Yes, we do see the worship. And we'll get to that as the main purpose. There are, there are parallel ideas. Parallel ideas. And so instead of rhyming of sounds, more often Hebrew poetry will rhyme ideas. They will rhyme ideas. So we looked at Psalm 6 earlier. Psalm 4. You go over in your Bible to Psalm 6. And, and he says, verse 1, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your wrath. Right? So there's one verse. You see how these two ideas are parallel? Do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not chasten me in your wrath. The second one adds a little bit to it, but they're pretty close in ideas. And so there's all these, all types of parallel ideas, couplets that the psalmists use. And what's really cool is God kind of designed Hebrew poetry to where that translates into our language. Um, now, like, I'm not going to get into all the details of all the different, like there's 10 different types of parallels. Uh, we're not going to go through all that because the big idea is just recognizing them for the beauty that they are and not just uh, kind of parsing through 
what type of parallelism it is, okay? But you can do that if you want. So it's poetry. Um, it's poetry that involves a lot of things that are lost in translation, but the one that's really obvious are these parallel ideas, okay? So enjoy the parallel ideas uh, that you see and worship the Lord for that. But it's also Jewish poetry. Uh, a lot of the references that you find there are from ancient Jewish history. And so as you come across these references, these cities, you look them up in the Bible and you find out, you dig a little deeper there. Um, it's also Jewish poetry to be sung. Uh, this is another, it's sad to say, but we've lost a lot of this, where we just kind of, we, we get words like pluck this. And, and, and so we're like, pluck this? What is this? Well, that probably means a harp or stringed instrument. Um, but then sila. Okay, we say, well, that's meditate. But we don't know. That may have meant go up an octave. Um, so we, like, we, we've lost the melodies of these. Uh, and so that's a shame. But we could put our own melodies on it, right? So that's okay. Uh, and uh, some of you have done that. And we'll keep singing this, the songs and, and hymns that our, uh, that our church writes uh, that, that mirror these songs. Okay, so it's Jewish poetry to be sung. Um, okay, I think we need to keep moving here. I am quickly running out of time. Um, so let's move on. Uh, it's also psalms that cover a, a range of emotions. And I think this is some of the value here. As you read through the psalms, you find all these emotions that are expressed before God. There's joy, there's happiness, there's praise, there's thankfulness, there's anger, there's frustration, sadness, anxiety, fear, trust, confidence. You find it all there inspired by God for you to follow along in prayers to him. This is extremely helpful for us to know how to vent our emotions before the throne of God. Recognizing that David went through the same emotions. Solomon went through the same emotions. And so they are not bad, necessarily, but they can make us do bad things, sinful things, if we're not careful. And so this helps us with that. Number three, the Psalms cover five different categories or themes. And so if you look at different books on the Psalms, there will be all kinds of these. Okay, so I came up with my own, but these, these are just the ones that I, I kind of enjoyed coming up with. And you can disagree with me on this. But there are a couple big ones that everybody has, big ideas, and it really helps us understand all of the Psalms. I was very surprised as I read through the Psalms again this week, I've read through it many times, but through again this week, how the two big themes are so prominent in the Psalms. Um, and so, so let's look at some of these themes. The first three that I'll kind of share with you are not as prominent, and so we'll go from the least used to the most used. Of these themes. And you see them there in front of you. Uh, first of all, wisdom psalms. And so some of your psalms are talking about the way to walk wisely. I have 10 of them there. Uh, some of these psalms I put in, in a couple different categories. But these wisdom psalms teach us how to live life the right way before God. And so one that I love preaching, one of my favorite psalms to preach, uh, is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So it's teaching us how to walk in wisdom, right? And so that would be, generally speaking, those psalms 
there listed. With each of these categories, I put a little asterisk there to, to give you a good example of, I think, one of the better examples of that type of psalm, okay? And uh, for the sake of time, we won't read each of these. We can't read each of the psalms, but even each of the asterisk ones. But we're going to try to get the themes out in front of us in one sentence. We good? I know I'm talking fast. I don't apologize for that this Sunday because there are 150 psalms. But I don't want to go too fast. We got it? So we've looked at the, the who. We've looked at the when. We've looked at now the what. The what of the psalms. We're seeing what it is. It's Jewish poetry. But now we're really getting into the content. What does it talk about? What do they sing about? What do they write about? Okay? Wisdom psalms. Messianic psalms. We love those. Okay, so I'm going to have a, a couple, uh, a few of, of the men preach. Um, and, uh, and so they're going to take each one of these categories and take one of the psalms from each one of these categories so we get a good view of these different psalms. Messianic psalms. Well, what would they be about? The Messiah. Good. Now, a lot of times it's primarily about a king, the king of Israel, and so sometimes even limited to David. But as you read those, it's often saying, oh, we wish there were a perfect David. Um, and David is saying, oh, I need, a, a for, I need forgiveness. Okay, And so a lot of these uh, have reference to uh, David in that way. And in fact, what I did here is I put an F there. Uh, for some of these, when they, they really dealt more with the present uh, than the future. But a lot of them just speak clearly of Jesus. Like, this is not talking about David. This is talking about Jesus, Messiah, about the coming one. And the New Testament confirms that for us. Okay, so those are Messianic ones. Now, all of these fit together in the themes that we'll get to, or the big ideas of the Psalms in just a minute. Now, this is where we get closer to really the 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 warp and wolf, the, the big idea of this book of the Psalms, when it talks about justice, and I was surprised how often this came up. 16 at least, you could do more than this, but 16 Psalms talk about justice. In this sense, this is unfair. <laughs> Somebody take care of this for me. And so sometimes it's, vindicate me, God. I can't, like people are finding fault with me for no reason. Vindicate me. Sometimes it's, Lord, help the, the orphan, help the widow, help the helpless. Justice isn't being served on the earth. Would you come and provide justice? And so there is a big chunk of psalms that deal with this. You see at least 16 there. Um, and so uh, Psalm 82 would be a good example of that. Uh, and, and I'm just going to keep moving here because I know time is flying, but... You could see Messianic Psalm 110 would be a good example of a Messianic Psalm. Okay, now, more than any other are these next two big ideas. I was so surprised at how much of your Psalms have two notes. <laughs> and they're the notes that all of us need to resonate with. Because all of us find ourselves needing these two notes. First of all, a complaint. A big chunk of your psalms, and I'm trying to find another word, and I'm looking at the sources, and I'm trying to find, but for me, this was it. Like, complaint. Lament comes closer, but we don't use that word, right? Oh, I'm lamenting that it's 
that it's Monday and not Friday. We don't often use that word. That complaint, like the bitterness of soul. A lot of the Psalms, look at how many. 43, at least 43. Because look, a lot of the lines in the Psalms of the ascent, the ones that the Jewish people were, able, were supposed to be singing together as they went up to Jerusalem for the festivals, um, pilgrim Psalms, have to do with the same thing. But, but I limited it to these 43, at least. Right? Talk about, comp- things are difficult, God. I can't deal with this anymore. Life is so hard. Why are people mistreating me? Um, people are persecuting me. People saying horrible things about me. And it's just like, Lord, hear my complaint. This is so hard. Life is so hard. Oh God, please help me. That's what a lot of your psalms are. And as I was reading it, like the beginning ones are almost all that. Until you get to the 90s, the 90s really turn to more prayer. 90s to 150. But the first 80 psalms, a big chunk of them, all deal with this theme of, we could say lament, because that does has the idea of, of a, a, a maybe a little more respectful uh, mourning before the Lord. Um, but a good English word would be complaining. And so the complaint turns to prayer or praise. As, as the person is bringing their situation before God, they turn into praying about it. Oh God, so it doesn't often stay there. It doesn't often stay with the complaint, but it moves to, oh God, help me with this. And so the psalmist is teaching us how to bring our cares and cast them before God. Some of the complaints are about himself. Oh, what a mess I've gotten myself into. And so we do that sometimes. Um, This one here, Psalm 77, there is no moving on to prayer or praise. But most of them move on from complaint to either prayer or to praise. A lot of them, you'll be surprised, move to praise. He's complaining at the beginning of the psalm. But by the end, it's like, but I still will praise the Lord. While I have breath, I'm going to praise the Lord. You may take my breath from me, and then I will no longer be praising you on earth. But while I have breath, I will praise the Lord. Um, But a lot of these have to do with, with, again, this is the idea of justice. And and honestly, we are living in a very unusual time period. But from all the way through Jewish times, Jewish people have been persecuted. And Christian people have been persecuted all the way up until now. It's very, very rare that Christian people and Jewish people are not persecuted. And so you find in these psalms a note that we all will often find ourselves in. And it doesn't always come through persecution. Sometimes it's just the difficulties of life. We find ourselves saying, God, help me. And then some of these are corporate ones. So a lot of these are more individual laments. uh, And then a lot of these are corporate. uh, Turning the complaint and saying, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Uh, And forgive us for getting ourselves into trouble. Psalm 106. Okay. And then, of course, the biggest chunk of the Psalms would deal with praising the Lord. And so I'm calling them praise the Lord Psalms. Praise the Lord Psalms. 95 of them. And again, some of these are used twice. I'll put them in in different categories here. But this is just drawers. Okay, I'm just showing you. Okay, all the shorts go in this drawer. All the shirts go in this drawer. It's just trying to help us organize Right? Okay, a lot of these psalms sound similar, and so you put them all in one category so we can all 
fit them in folders in one briefcase, okay? And we can really look at all of them together. Um, and so a lot of these are praise songs. Oh, I love the praise songs. One of my favorite ones is Psalm 145. That's a great example of a praise song. Um, but it's praising for forgiveness. A lot of them have to do, again, Jewish songs, praising God for his work in Jerusalem and Israel, what he has done for, for Israel. And so we can internalize those ourselves as a church for what he's done for us and what he's done for Israel in the past. Some of them are directed to the nations. And a lot of them are directed uh, asking, praising the Lord for deliverance from the difficulties they faced up here. And then that last one you can't see is for creation. For deliverance and for creation and different elements of creation, of nature. And, and there, there could be more of those. Okay, so those are the big ideas. Let's zoom out and put those big ideas together. Okay, this is how all of these work together. And again, I was surprised at the, at the, the narrowness of the, of the topics that we have in the Psalms. First of all, you, you often come across mistreatment or distressing circumstances. And so this is the logic of the Psalms. All of us find ourselves there. You today are probably dealing with distressing circumstances. Right. All of us face that. You have physical, financial, relationship, job, right? All of these, you could name a bunch of them. A lot of them, it was persecution, injustice. Um, and, and you just think of David, all the different times he was either from a mess he made or others made for him. Um, so you have mistreatment, you have distressing circumstances. And that causes this complaint, causes the complaint song. And so all Christians of all times will face mistreatment. We will find distressing circumstances. And, and what the Psalms do is they say it's not wrong to bring your lament to the Lord. And I realize grumbling sin. Okay, so this you can get the wrong way. But you cast your burden on the Lord. You bring your, your sorrow before God. You don't continue to internalize it. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. You are not okay. You have got to... Turn that over to God. And so we have to do that. To be healthy emotionally. Um, that's what the Psalms are all about. And so we take our complaint to the cross. To Jesus who can carry it. And that turns us over to praying about it. And praising God for being faithful to us. And so we turn from complaint to prayer and praise. And then what God does is he brings deliverance. And so you find deliverance in the Psalms, these Psalms of deliverance. And that deliverance itself turns into the songs of deliverance. And so you have that other big category of the works of the Lord, the goodness of God. Um, and, and so this is how these themes work logically in all of our lives uh, to uh, praise God before him in song. And so you need this. You need this. I need this. We all need the Psalms. I'm going to summarize it this way. Uh, putting those themes together and each uh, look at one book, we try to summarize the book in one sentence. So how do we put all of those themes together, acknowledging also the beginning ones, pointing to, to the Lord's Messiah who will bring this to all of us. Um, praise the Lord, for he is great, and will bring the Messiah who provides eternal deliverance to all who trust in him. Praise the Lord, for he is great, and will bring the Messiah who provides eternal deliverance to all who trust in him. Many of you could do a lot better job than that. 
Well, this is how you do a book study. You look at all the content, you try to get them into big drawers, and then you summarize all the drawers together uh, in one sentence that makes sense. Right? And this is just a book study. This is what we're doing. So what is the Psalms? It's praise to God in songs, uh, for he is great and will bring the Messiah who provides eternal deliverance all who trust in him. I don't know if you've ever been beat. I've been pushed and slapped a little bit, but I've never been whipped to where it left bloody marks. I can't imagine being beaten by rods or whips. Um, Paul and Silas, preaching the gospel, found themselves being beaten and whipped. Uh, They thrown into a cell to let that sour and fester And what do they do at night? They sing the songs. Because in the Psalms, they find that theme. This is is unjust. But they don't get bitter. They turn from this is unjust to, Great is the Lord! God, you will vindicate my name. And so we find even Jesus on the cross, praying the Psalms. And through generation after generation, generation. Why? Because you need it. You and I need it emotionally. We need the Psalms to voice our prayers to God. uh, To find in Him our greatest delight. All right, very good. So that's a look at one book. Let's take now 10 minutes and turn to the shortest Psalm. And kind of, I hope by God's grace, demonstrate how to do this. Uh, in your own in your own life, that's actually Psalm 117. So turn in your Bible to Psalm 117, uh, not 127. The shortest Psalm is Psalm 117. What is the longest Psalm? 119. Good, and that's the one we're memorizing together as a church. Uh, psalm 117 is the shortest Psalm, and it's great picture of these themes, and a beautiful praise Psalm. Uh, First of all, you have in Psalm 117, a call to praise, a call to praise. I'll ask two questions, the who, to whom do we pray or praise, uh, and then what do we praise, Um, or what what action is is praise, Uh, this call to praise. You'll notice there, verse 1, we do have an element of poetry, don't we? Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud him, all peoples. Are those parallel ideas? They are, aren't they? It's saying the same thing twice in a little bit different way. So this is Hebrew poetry. It's actually beautiful. If you get to look at it, you think, wow, I like how he said that twice a little different way. He actually does the same thing in verse 2, but in there he, he adds to one of the sides of the parallel. Um, But let's look at this first one. Um, Whom do we praise? We praise the Lord. We praise Yahweh, this covenant-keeping God. This is actually capital L-O-R-D. Praise the Lord. Uh, Praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who revealed his name as Yahweh to Moses at the burning bush. Who do we ask to praise? Praise the Lord who? 
all nations, all peoples. Here you open this Jewish hymnal. And it's surprising that the Jewish hymnal beckons everyone to a call to worship. Every nation should be worshiping one God. There are not many gods. There is one God. And the Psalms call everyone to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The whole earth is called to praise him, to praise Yahweh, a united nation's congregation of praise to Jehovah. Westminster Catechism says, Are there more gods than one? There is but one God only, the living and true God. Yahweh is his name. Hear this, O Israel. And all nations worship his name. And so it's really a call to evangelism. This is why we're in Queens, where all the nations of the earth have gathered, and we're telling them, no, don't worship yourself. Don't worship money. Don't worship your career. Don't worship Buddha or Muhammad or any other way. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. There is one God. And, and if you are worshiping something else, someone else, you are, I, the Bible calls that idolatry. Turn from your idolatry and worship the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. All right, and so he says, this is who. Uh, what should they do? Well, they should praise. They should worship. Uh, two synonyms, right? Praise and laud. Uh, same idea. Uh, same two words that say the same thing. Uh, has the idea of boasting. Uh, praising, right? Boasting in. Drawing attention to the goodness of. Right? Did you see that team last night? Boy, they were amazing in what their defense or whatever. That's boasting about them. Um, there's this natural desire of parents to boast in their child, right? Even from the womb, right? My child kicks better than any other child, right? Uh, all the way until... Until you die as a parent, you would you just you just this positive reinforcement. You see the positives. Well, this is this is that's praise. Uh, this is what we do before the Lord. It is drawing attention. It's saying, "World, look at the greatness of our God. Look at His unique nature. Look at how loving He is. Look at how faithful He is." Right. It's drawing attention to our God. Laud him, all peoples. Praise the Lord, all nations. Let me just say, this is what we were made for. Uh, this, is, this is the reason uh, that we exist. For to him and through him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So if, if you're not doing this, you were you made to do this, and if you're not doing this, uh, there is an element to your created purpose that you're not fulfilling as a human being. Um, and it will mess with your mind. C.S. Lewis stated this way, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are, the delight is incomplete till it is expressed. 
It's not just knowing who God is. It's not just knowing He's faithful. There is actual delight in expressing it. You are made not to just know, oh, I know God's holy. I know He's omnipotent. I know He's omniscient. I learned that 20 years ago. The delight, the rest for your soul comes in expressing that truth in prayer. You will find delight in doing what you were made to do. And so each day you need to find rest in this. This is our Sabbath rest. It's not just ceasing from work. It's turning our attention to the glory of God. And so next week when I take time off, my rest will not be necessarily getting sun at the beach with my parents, but it will really be from the time sent sitting in front of the glory of the Son of God, relishing in who He is. And until I do that, no vacation is rest. You can have no rest for your soul until you stop, pause, and find the glory of God and praise Him with your voice. This is the great secret of life, the secret of the Psalms that you need to get into. And we're out of time. But, but then he told, shows us how to do it. The cause for praise. And this is what you do. Lord, I praise you for your loving kindness is great toward us. And your truth is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Parallel ideas. One, focusing on God's loving kindness. That's the Hebrew word. What? Somebody give us the Hebrew word. Yes, hesed. Right? A very important. We, we think of this in Greek as agape. Right? This is God's chesed. His chesed is great, or the, actually literally strong. God's love for you, his compassionate love for you is strong. It's poetic for showing that nothing can hinder God's strong love. His omnipotent love. Nothing is in your life because God was too weak. He is strong in his committed love toward us. That chesed comes up more times in the Psalms than any other. 128 times that word is used in the Psalms. And so nothing, no height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amazing, merciful love that is exhibited to us, not just in our life, but forever. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. It continues to go and to go and to go and to go forever. His love for you is firm. It is trustworthy. It is faithful. Um, and, and so that's what really adds to this, right? If God loves me now, yeah, but what about 10 years from now? What if he forgets about me? No, because it's based on covenant. Chesed is covenant love. Based on what Jesus did at the cross, it never changes. For eternity, 10,000 years from now, God will love you just as he loves you today because he loves you in Christ. This is faithful, truth-bearing love that ever lasts. It lasts forever. And so this is what we do is we praise God. This is what you do on your knees. You take verse 2 and you memorize it. And if you're afraid at night, if you're going into work and you know you have a huge meeting and you're just, oh, I don't know, I'm anxious about this. This is how we correct our emotions. Right? We come before the Lord and we want to go from complaint, right, from distressing circumstance or injustice to complaint. And so we're bringing this care before the Lord, but then we get to praise. 
And we start looking at verse 2 of Psalm 117. And we, we combat those thoughts with what we know to be true of our God. And as emotions come back in line. And we start to praise Him and we pray and He delivers us. And so we say, praise the Lord. Let's pray. I'm going to be done. I trust that you have come to know the secret of the Psalms. And if you haven't, that this week you will be able to do that. Even in closing, in this quiet time, would you practice this? Would you just think through that verse 2 and praise God. Praise God for his loving kindness is great to you in Jesus. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting to you in Jesus. Or I would say his faithfulness of the Lord is everlasting to you in Jesus. If you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be in the back lobby. be happy to pray with you. In a moment, Pastor Andrew will close this in prayer. But let's all praise the Lord for his greatness toward us.